Jesus. We worship you, Lamb of God. We worship you, God. We just say glory to you. Glory to God forever. You are king. You rule and you reign. We exalt you, Lord. We exalt you over our lives. We exalt you in this place. Glory to God. Glory to you, King Jesus. Your blood, it still speaks. It's speaking to us right now. It's what you've done for us, Lord. You have paid it all. Your blood has paid it all. Everything we need for life, for strength, for godliness, for purpose, you've paid it all. Your cross has paid it all, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our worship. You are worthy of each individual in this room's heart laid down before you in humble surrender. You will get your glory one way or another. You will have your glory one way or another. You will get what you deserve, Lord. You will get your reward. should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Worthy Lord, we just bow before you, God. We bow our hearts. And if you want to, you can bow your knee now. But we bow, Lord, we, we surrender, we submit who we are before you, Jesus. We recognize you're in the room, you're here before your throne and we just confess you as Lord Jesus you are Lord every knee will bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run 
with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I'm going to repeat that. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as a son. So endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. What son is not disciplined by his father? And if you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Lord, we we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We know that the cross was a joy that was set before you. It's hard for us to comprehend that. As it is, you saw it as a joy because you were you were going to the cross to win us, to purchase us, to rescue us. You saw each person in this room, every person that will come into your kingdom, you saw them. You were willing to write their names on the palms of your hands, inscribed with a nail. We were in your mind, we were in your heart when you were going to the cross. So for the joy set before you, you endured it. You suffered on the cross. And so we, we fix our eyes on you. We remember what you've done for us. And we confess that we haven't yet resisted sinful ways to the point of shedding blood. But what we do tonight, we, we choose to fix our eyes on you. We choose to yield ourselves to you, Jesus. We choose to rise up and be that that warrior army that you've called us to be. So tonight, guys, before we even go further, if you need to be filled with the power of God, if you need to be strengthened and filled, completely filled and overflowing with the power of God, to walk upright, to walk and resist the pull of the world and the pull of the flesh. You live in a body of flesh. It has desires that that war against your spirit and that cause a conflict in your mind. But God has given us his Holy Spirit. 
And you have the Holy Spirit if you've received Jesus. But you can have more. You can receive a filling, an infilling, and an empowering of more of Him. And He freely gives it. So if you want to receive prayer, you don't have to come up in the front. Just stand up where you're at. If you want us to pray for you, just stand up right where you're at. I will lift you up. He said, and it goes down to the verse 12 and 13. He said, when you pray, I will listen and I will answer you. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And this is the day that the Lord is saying, seek me and find me. I'm not hiding from you. I'm waiting for you to come. And this is for everyone. This is the day to seek him and you will find him. And so I have a word for three people. Isabel. You know the Lord says you're so precious to me. He said I picked you up when you were a baby. And I whispered in your ear how much I love you. And I've called you into my service baby he picked you up he did he said you would not know this until you're grown until a time where I'll speak to you again he said you have such a sweet spirit he says I see that you're creative and I'm going to use that creativity to draw people unto him he said to walk out in faith that creativity that he's given you that's from him and you'll start seeing it it'll be an overflowing process but he says you're been you're a sweet sweet spirit to him and i can just see him holding you creativity that he's given you and he's going to add on add on you're just going to be blown away so when I speak these things it's usually they already have it in them and it's a confirmation or it's for the future and they'll find out 
but it's up to the individuals to step out in faith when God calls that out. So the future. Emily. Ah, Emily. The Lord has called you for his service. I see you as an Esther. Stand up, Emily. I want you to feel his power. The enemy would try to take you out. The enemy would try to bombard 
those voices that would try to give you doubt and insecurity. I see that you work with your hands very well. There's something that you do with your hands. I'm not sure he didn't show me, but he says you're very good at working at things with your hands. He said, I will increase that if you follow my path. I will increase it and you will, you will make your parents proud because you know, you're not going to think too much about money down the line. But what he has given you in your hands, it's almost like Jesus. You know, he's a carpenter, right? Jesus was a carpenter. So the Lord says, I'm anointing your hand. Give me your hand. Give me your hands. Both of them. I'm anointing your hands because I have given you a gift to work with your hands. And these hands will bring you wealth if you do not misuse it okay that's what he's saying but the insecurities right now lord i thank you i rebuke the enemy right now that would try to bring doubt and insecurity in clayton right now in jesus name lord i thank you that you called him he is yours lord to deal with he will help others because he will work with his hands to help others this is to help others and bring in wealth and it will roll in but then he says the condition is you follow him and make him lord of your life and don't have any doubt because the lord says i will do it the enemy has defeated the enemy is defeated in your thoughts and in your life if it comes again i rebuke you in the name of jesus and lord now i i cover clayton with the blood the blood of Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord, that, Lord, that you will speak to him and you will direct his path. You will direct his path. And, Lord, I thank you that you anoint his hands even more. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. There's things that you do with your hands that you're going to do that nobody else did. Whatever you're doing, I don't know. He didn't tell me what you do with your hands, what you work with your hands. But he said that whatever you do, he's going to show you something that, others didn't do you know it's like creating right so whatever you do he's gonna he's gonna just expand upon it and he's gonna make it better and people will come to you for their services whatever that is I don't know but people will come to you okay so get those hands working and follow his path amen okay now I'm curious what do you do with your So he can take care of my little girl. I think my little girl will make plenty of money too because she's got something going too. But. Man. Everybody okay? You guys all right? Oh, my stomach just rumbled big time. I just feel like um, I, I feel the jealousy of, man, I don't know why this is messing me up. What you guys doing back there? This isn't chat time. So I just feel, and I feel like this is for you guys actually, especially Ethan and Emily. But I, no, not especially, but for all of you young people, <laughs> I, I feel like the Lord just wants you to know he's jealous for you. You know, one of the names of, of God in the Old Testament is this Hebrew word, kwana, 
which means jealous. That's one of his names. He's jealous. He's like a jealous fire. And he just burns with, with passion and, and a jealous passion that you would be his. Yeah. See, you and I weren't born to be our own entity and to do whatever the heck we want. I know. I know, and time's ticking. You better get right with God. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> you and I were born to know God, to know him and enjoy him, and to be his worshipers. It's not all about bowing down and worshiping. Worship is, is giving your affection to another. It's what you put worth on. It's worth-ship. And he's jealous for you. He's jealous for me. He's jealous for all of us. He wants your heart. He wants it all. You know, there's a song. <clears throat> uh, I can't think of the name of it, but the words, the lyrics go, he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of your wind and mercy. He's jealous for you. He's so jealous. And he just wants to pour out his presence on your life. Yeah. Sorry, I get distracted when I see things. I mean, you guys are you guys are good. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna rebuke you. Okay. Everybody all right? You all right? Yeah. You doing good? I'm good. Okay. You still packing? Okay. Good. Just in case. Gestapo walking here and try to arrest us for talking about vaccines or something. You know. All right, let's sit down, Tamara. All right. Well, lower this thing down. You can lower this thing down. I think we should just continue on a roll here. And, uh, you know, it's 7.30. And I'm going to make a commitment not to go more than 25 minutes with the teaching of the word. You guys good with that? Can you handle? Okay, so I'm going to start. I'm going to start now. That'll be, uh, <clears throat> it'll be 7.28 and 20 seconds, so that'll be, like, right around... 747. Like an airplane, I'll remember that. 747. We're going to take off in this plane right now, and we're going to go into Hebrews chapter 5, and there's a character in this chapter that I think is going to be helpful for you guys and for us all together, me with you, to just embrace this understanding of this character, because whether you've been a student of the word and a follower of Jesus for many years, or if you're fresh with this, you should know who this person Melchizedek is. Say it with me, Melchizedek. Melchizedek, awesome. So, we're going to learn that Jesus, who the book of Hebrews is talking about, Jesus is a king priest. He's a king and he's a priest like Melchizedek. So, here's the backdrop. There are only three books of the Bible that mention this character, Melchizedek. Once in Genesis... Once in Psalms, which I read at the end of worship, and the rest of it is in Hebrews. And I forgot a period there. Melchizedek was, see, I, I noticed these little details, which you guys probably would be like, whatever. <clears throat> Sorry. 
Minor distraction. Melchizedek was the name of a Canaanite king and priest over the Jebusite kingdom that later became Jerusalem. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. It's a pretty good name. I should name... I'll change one of your names, boys. I like Oscar because that's just like a wrestler fighter guy. I like Ethan too, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just call you all Melchizedek from now on. It's a good name. That's your middle name. He lived during Abraham's time. He has no recorded family. Total mysterious character in the Bible. He just is mentioned when Abraham... Well, we're going to read about that, so sorry. He lived during Abraham's time, no recorded family, and was a priest of God most high. Pretty cool. He was the king of Salem, meaning the word Salem means full, complete, safe, whole, and peaceful. So he's the king of peace. And he blessed Abraham because he was greater than Abraham. The greater one blesses the lesser one, not vice versa. And Abraham gave him a tithe, or 10% of the spoils. So we're going to read from that scripture in Genesis, and just so you know kind of what that's talking about and referring to. So in Genesis 14, it says, After Abraham, this is before God changed Abraham's name to Abraham. His name was Abraham, and his wife was Sarai. And when the Spirit of God was upon them, he changed their names to Sarah and Abraham, the H, the breath. So after Abram returned from defeating, oh boy, Kedor Laomer, that's probably butchering that, and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheveh. Sheveh. I'm just making this up as I go. Not the words, just the pronunciation. That is the king's valley. Okay, so this was after the kings had done their, their fighting and warring. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Interesting things he would bring out, since Jesus is like Melchizedek. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So all the spoils of war, Abram gave this king of Salem, Melchizedek, a tenth of all of the spoils. The next place Melchizedek is mentioned is in Psalm 110. We won't read the whole psalm. I already did that, but this is what it says about Melchizedek. The Lord says to my Lord, and I'm going to pause there. Don't be confused by the Lord talking to himself, because what that actually means is the Lord, normally that would be all capitals. I think it might have been because of how I Put it in here, but it's two different words from the Hebrew that are translated the same as Lord in each way. So when it says the Lord said to my Lord, it is actually Jehovah, the Lord, says to my Lord or Adonai, my master. So God, the creator, Adonai or Jehovah, spoke to my Lord, and this is referring to Jesus. So this is like the Father speaking to the Son. Did I lose you yet? I know I'm kind of rambling. Okay, this is what he said to his son. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord, Jehovah, will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. 
Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of, of Melchizedek. So we learn here that God the Father is speaking about Jesus, and this is interpreted for us later on in the book of Hebrews, and we've read it before in the first chapter, about Jesus, that he is a priest, that Jesus, our Jesus, is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, this different priesthood. See, in the Old Testament, the only priesthood that we recognized was the priest, the priesthood that came from the tribe of Levi. Out of the 12 tribes of Israel, the one tribe, Levi, became the Levitical priesthood, and priests only came from that tribe. But there was this other priesthood, this other priest, this guy named Melchizedek, who was the king of Salem. So he was a king and a priest. And this scripture in Psalms is the only other place in the Old Testament we see him mentioned. Thank God for the book of Hebrews because it really unpacks who this person Melchizedek is. Well, Hebrews will talk about that because, because there's reference to him having no beginning and no end. Like a timeless one. We won't go there yet. That's another fascinating thing about, about Melchizedek. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that Melchizedek in the Old Testament was what they call a theophany. Uh, it was a, a presenting of Jesus before he became a baby and a human being. Like uh, sometimes in the Old Testament, we will see Abraham meeting with these strangers that come to him, these three men, and one being the angel of the Lord. But then there's worship that takes place, so we know it's not an angel. Anyway, I don't want to go down that road. So we're going to go right into chapter 5 right now and start with verse 1. For every high priest was chosen from among the people and appointed to represent them before God by presenting their gifts to God and offer, offering sacrifices on their behalf. Since the high priest is also, the, also one who is clothed in weakness, he humbles himself by showing compassion to those who are ignorant of God's ways and stray from them. And for this reason, he has to not only present sin offerings of others, but also to bring a sin offering for himself. So this is referring completely to the, to the Levitical priest, just a man like everyone he's representing, offering sacrifices in the temple for the sins of the people, the nation, and also for himself because he's just like them. Verse 4 says, And no one takes this honor upon himself by being self-appointed. They were chosen, according to being a part of the tribe of Levi, they were chosen to be a part of that priesthood. But God is the one who calls each one, just as Aaron was called. So Aaron, anyway, we won't go down that road. Let's just keep moving, because I want to keep to my promise of being done at 747. Okay, here we go. We're going to fly. So also, Christ was not self-appointed and did not glorify himself by becoming a high priest, but God called and glorified him. For the Father said to him, You are my favored son. Today I have fathered you. And in another scripture, he says about this new priestly order, You are a priest like Melchizedek, a king priest forever. So this is... 
the book of Hebrews referring back to the book of Psalms about Jesus being the fulfillment of what that scripture was, who that scripture was referring to, that, that God was speaking to the Lord Jesus saying, you are a priest like Melchizedek, a king priest forever. So this is a footnote from the highlighted part. Apparently, many Jewish believers were having difficulty with Jesus being our high priest. So if you were a new uh, first century Christian and you were a Jew by birth and then you converted to following Messiah as Jesus the Messiah and you converted to Christianity, you would have to wrap your mind around this whole thing about Jesus being your high priest because you would have known that Jesus came from the tribe of Judah but the priests were only to come from the tribe of Levi. So why would we consider him our high priest? But he's explaining in this passage, so since he was not of Aaron's lineage from the tribe of Levi, the Holy Spirit is showing us that his priesthood, Jesus' priesthood, is not on the basis of lineage. It's a supernatural calling of God, much like Melchizedek. And you and I, as those who are in Christ, that are, we are followers of Jesus and our lives are hidden in Christ, we are now priests and kings in Christ to do the works that Jesus did and establish the kingdom and the rule and reign of heaven in our own lives and in this, in this earth. Everybody okay? It's kind of like, okay, this is, this is good. Okay, I'm not going to interrupt your thought processes. Verse 7, during Christ's days on earth, he pleaded with God, praying with passion and with tearful agony that God would spare him from death. This is referring to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was praying that the cup, if it could be, that this cup would be taken away from him. And because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered and he was delivered. But even though he was a wonderful son, he learned to listen and obey through all his sufferings. And after being proven perfect in this way, he has now become the source of eternal salvation to all those who listen to him and obey. So why would the interpreter of the Passion Translation word it that God would spare him from death? He prayed that God would spare him from death and because of his perfect devotion, his prayer was answered. Didn't he go to the cross and die? So here's the footnote. I thought this was worth sharing. Okay, that is from a premature death in Gethsemane. The text clearly states that Jesus was spared from death. What death? He gave his life on the cross for us. This seems to reveal that Jesus prayed in the garden to be spared from death that night and live long enough to die on the cross and not prematurely die in the garden. Most expositors believe this was the cup of God's wrath that was the sin payment. Yet it is possible that the cup he was asking God to let pass from him was the cup of premature death in the garden. Not, that the, not the death he would experience the next day on the cross. He had already sweat drops of blood. But the prophecies had to be fulfilled of being pierced on a cross for our transgressions. God answered his cry, and he lived through the agony of Gethsemane so that he could be our sacrifice for sin on Calvary. 
Jesus did not waver in the garden. We have a brave Savior. So hopefully that makes some sense. If you know the Passion story, if you've watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ, if you know from reading your Bible when Jesus went into the garden to pray and the disciples were falling asleep all around him, he's like, can't you just stay awake one hour and pray with me? And yet he was so overwhelmed. His, he said his soul was overwhelmed with what he knew he was going to face, that he was sweating drops of blood. And there's all kinds of description, scientific reasoning that could be for why blood would actually come through a person's pores. We won't go down that path. But the reality is Jesus was agonizing over what he had to go face. But God strengthened him. He, he gave him the strength to press through and the next day go through all of the mocking and the, the abuse and the humility and the shame that they did to him. Maybe one day, maybe Easter Sunday or Good Friday, we'll, we'll just go deep into what Jesus went through for us. How he was had his beard. Yeah, I'll just move on. I don't know why I'm getting messed up all of a sudden. Okay, I'll just say it as I pull myself together. How they, he had his beard plucked out of his face. You know what it feels like to get your hair pulled a little bit. You kind of cry like a little baby, right? Ow! Someone pulls your leg hairs. I know kids in my house that like to do that kind of thing. <laughs> it hurts. Imagine having your beard plucked out of your face, smacked in the face repeatedly, whipped with a whip that has chunks of metal and glass across your back, spit on, stripped completely naked, and lifted up on that cross for everyone to see without having ability to cover yourself. I'm going to move on. Sorry. <laughs> For God had designated him as the king priest who is over the priestly order of Melchizedek. And here's the notes for that. As translated from the Aramaic, Jesus, our magnificent king priest, has made us kings and priests that serve him and extend his kingdom on the earth. And there's a couple scriptures you could look up. And we're down to the last three verses here, so I think I'm going to be able to keep my commitment in four minutes, or two, three and a half minutes. For we have much to say about this topic, although it is difficult to explain because you've become too dull. It's a word of encouragement for you guys. <clears throat> you've become too dull and sluggish to understand. For you should have already be professors instructing others by now, but instead... You need to be taught from the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Hmm, that's interesting. That's not where God's going to leave you. He doesn't want you or me to stay a little baby in Christ for the rest of our lives, only drinking the easy milk of the word. Just <laughs> crying, change my diaper, I messed up again. He wants to pierce us. Holy Spirit wants to pierce us with his kingdom, with the kingdom of heaven. Pierce us with the revelation of righteousness, what true righteousness looks like and means for us. He wants 
to, to take us on from just being infants in Christ. We all are infants in the beginning. And I've said this before, you can be an infant in Christ for 60, 70 years and never mature. But that's not what God is, that's not what God's plan is for you. This is what he has. Solid food, this is the final verse. Solid food is for the mature whose eyes, excuse me, whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. This requires training. And they have been adequately, I guess I could have just read it, and they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. So God wants to raise us up. He wants to train us. He wants to train our hands for war and our fingers for battle. His will is that you and I would rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus. Hell is coming our way. I'm not prophesying doom and gloom. Whatever hell looks like, you know, hell on earth. I'm not saying fire and death and destruction, but I'm saying trouble and times of struggle are going to come to each one of us. You're going to experience a loss. You're going to experience a death. You're going to experience trials and tribulations. Stuff is going to come. Jesus never promised that if you give your life to him, that you're going to have all a rosy path from here on out. That's not what he promised. But he said in the middle of all of it, I will give you joy because I have overcome the world. He promises to give us everything we need to make it through every struggle that we will go through. And he, he wants to not just give you a bottle, a warm bottle full of milk to comfort you through it all. He wants to actually train you to reign. Yeah. Trained to reign. He wants you and I to be mature sons and daughters of God. And that's, that's what the book of Hebrews is going to exhort us to do, is to rise up above the stuff that tries to wrap around our feet. Yeah. Chapter 12, I think it was chapter 12 that I was reading, to cast off the sins that so easily entangle. Think of running through, I don't know, a bunch of fishing lines or a bunch of sticker bushes or something. And, you know, he wants to, he wants to teach us how to just cut all of that stuff away and that you and I could run without anything hindering us, run the race that's been marked out for us. And this is not a, a race of running that is boring and dull and lacking in any excitement. This is actually a race that you and I are called to, to a track that we are called to run on that is full of adventure. God has adventures for us. He wants to increase in our lives, in your life and in my life, in our gatherings, in your ministering to people in the workplace or school, or whatever your sphere of influence is. He wants to blow your mind as you mature in him and become more like Jesus and begin to see signs and wonders and miracles released through your life. Yeah. He wants you to be able to go to your neighbor who is sick or has pain and to just pray a short prayer and release the power of God and see that pain just lifted. See their heart healed. Mm -hmm. God wants to break in. He does not intend for you and I to have a boring Christian existence. He has a wild adventure for us. And it, it may get pretty hairy down the road. 
We don't know what's coming our way. We don't know. But what we do know is that if we're walking with Jesus, if we're walking with God, the victory is secure. I think often when I when we talk about this kind of stuff, or I hear it spoken of having these living, fulfilling your purpose and calling in God, and you know, <clears throat> walking in your territory and uh, taking ground. And then I think of well, what what about all of these Christians in places like Africa, where other tribes have come in with machetes and just butchered them into pieces? What about them? Did they have a dream to have a Platform and a church of a thousand people and a, you know, a Bethel band. Was that their calling that was cut short? I don't think so. I think sometimes our dreams might, I don't want to like say negative things about dreams because I think we need to dream big yeah. dreams with God. And if he's graced us to live in a, in a nation like our nation where we are free to pursue and to create and to grow and to bring in wealth, then we should take it to the full extent that we can with him. As Val was giving that word even to Emily and Clayton, that as you walk with him, as you put him first, to see what he will do with those gifts. Yeah. All right, you guys are looking really serious. Why don't we stand up? Let's pray. And I do want to... Um, after we're done praying, I, I do want to go back on the slides here and just put some information up for you guys to know about, something that you can be praying about. And, uh, in fact, let me see if I can just try to get to it now. Hmm? Not Yeah, let's don't talk about it. Just let me put the info out. Because if we start talking about it, we'll those of us with a political spirit, <laughs> I'm pointing to myself. <laughs> um, let's go... Let's see if I can figure out how to go out of this. Well, I guess it's not going to quite work that way. I'll go back and put it on the screen. Let's just pray. Let's pray. Tammy, you want to pray for us? Yeah. So, Father, we just thank you for tonight, Father God. And God, just help us to walk in the way that you want us to, Father. And that it's going to look so different for each person. But God, help us to, to find our calling. Help us to, just in our daily lives, to reach out to others, to spend more time with you, being intimate with you, Father. God, and we just, we lay everything at your feet. And we just say thank you for being king. Thank you that you're in control of everything. You're in control of our destinies, Father. And God, we just ask that, um, for each person here, God, that we would cooperate with you and that we would listen to you and that we'd walk in our fullness that you've called us into. In your name, amen. So Tammy can start Yeah. So this, on Tuesday, the Kitsap County Health Department will be meeting and it is not open to the public. You can get on the Zoom call but it is not open for comments. Um, but here is their address. Oh, actually, the address isn't up there. But there's their. You can send it. No, you can send an email, um, and they're asking that uh, we bombard them with emails 
on our opinion. Can you explain why then? Yes, I'm getting there. Okay. <laughs> so they have about five different things they're going to choose from and how they're going to deal with COVID in our city. Steps. Five different steps. One is to just let it play out and let it do its thing. The others could involve um, vaccine passports. So we are, if you're not on, you should be part of Restore Washington and Restore Washington Zone 6 Facebook. on Facebook. That is where we're getting our information and that's where rallies and all that sort of thing are put on there. So this came up today. There is a second meeting on October 5th at 10.30. Of course, it's right in the daytime when everyone's at work. How convenient. Um, and they, that will be open for public comment. Um, until October 5th, it would be great to send emails to the health department. Um, be kind, but give the, and give them facts on why they should not be doing this. Um, I feel like we need to be really strategic in how it comes forth because if we're just like, you're a bunch of idiots and whatever, they're not even going to read it and look at it. They need, they need to see what can happen because this will affect churches. It will affect businesses, obviously, and, you know, our daily lives. So um, I just want to encourage you guys to email these people. And also on the 5th, if you can be at that meeting, show up at that meeting and... Yeah, it may be another Zoom. But there's the but website, the kids at publichealth.org. Can you put that on the... Uh, do you want it on the church website? Or the... Website. Yes, we can do that for sure. Absolutely. So... Well, we would need to get the... If you go to that website, you can read the whole letter that they've put out. This is where Tammy got the info. It was the actual letter, so it's not like we're just you know, coming up with yeah, someone's it's the actual letter. story. This is the actual letter from the health department, and they're just going to discuss because of what they what they say is a rising numbers of death and hospitalizations due to COVID. This is what they say, and we can't try to argue with that unless you got proof. But you know that's kind of a hard one to argue when the hospitals and the health workers and all of those people are coming up with the numbers. So we can't really argue that too much. But because of that, they they are going to discuss what they think they should do to help deal with this pandemic. And they do call it a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it's in that letter. Yep. They believe that because of us who are not vaccinated, things keep swelling up in numbers and filling the hospitals. So they wanna talk without getting any comments being allowed, but they wanna open up to the first 500, I believe, to Zoom call. Someone will probably record it and post it. It'll be up 48 hours after. So there you go. If you want to watch and listen to what they're, they have a, a call to order and a service, a order of their whole discussion, and then they'll, they'll end it. But they're going to have five points, and you'll have to look at that. But it's basically levels of intensity of dealing with those of us who aren't vaccinated, those of us who in our community in Kitsap County who don't want to be vaccinated, whether they're uh, vaccine hesitant because they don't have enough information about it, or if they're anti-vaxxers, doesn't really matter. This is a country where we are free people, yep. and it's a government overreach to try to enforce people to get a medical decision done and have an, a, a vaccine or anything injected into our bodies, right? Remember, my body, my choice? 
if you're <laughs> pro-abortion, that's what they screamed. So keep your government out of my body. That's how we feel about it. Um, it should be your choice if you want to get a vax. And this is affecting everyone. Mikey can tell you stories about what he's dealt with at work, and he's about ready to step out of his employment because they have really crammed down on him being in a, a medical facility. Thank God, not yet, as a government employee, I'm not being forced or, yeah, forced to choose whether to take the vaccine or lose my job. I don't want it. I don't want to take it. It's too new, and I've heard too many statistics about it. So that's my choice, but if you want to take it, that's your choice. If you feel between you and God that it's something that you should do, then do it. You know, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong for doing it. I just think that you, everyone should be as informed as possible. And make their own choice. My dad took the shot. Chris Valentin, the prophet of Bethel Church, got the shot. Told everyone. Yeah. Um, so different people feel different about it. You know, most of us who are on the edge of intensity when it comes to the jab, especially as Christians, especially if you are following the Q trail down the rabbit hole and you, you know, just run with all of the stuff that's possibilities, that's stuff that's kind of hard to prove exactly, whether it's Bill Gates having a patent on the shot you know, with the number 60606 in it. This is what or, I didn't want to do. Is yeah, I'm not, we're not going to get into big stuff. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you're a Christian and that's kind of your thing is the mark of the beast is coming, well, then you're going to be even more nervous about being forced to get a jab. Is this pushing towards that? We don't know. But what I do know and what I appreciated was Bill Johnson, um, and everyone here knows who Bill Johnson is, the senior leader of Bethel Church. Um, Bill Johnson said that he's not yet in his lifetime seen the world coming together around a push for a one-world government. And this thing with vaccine passports where... If you don't take the, the shot and get the passport, you cannot buy anything or do any financial trading. And then he referred to the book of Revelation. Those who do not receive the mark of the beast cannot buy anything or sell anything. So he said, this is like the dress rehearsal. It's not like we know for sure that Jesus is going to come back in the next two years or five years or whatever. He could come back tomorrow or tonight should always be ready jesus said you know lift lift up your heads be watching so we need to be aware that the lord could return at any time but but we're not to neglect our responsibility here on earth we are to be about his work extending the kingdom exactly. bringing the the hope and the peace of jesus christ and his salvation through the cross yes. to everyone we can yeah. and to fight against unjust governing yeah. especially as Americans our constitution says that we we get to choose who governs over us they are elected by us to, to govern and protect us protect our rights to be free people yeah. so I would say if you know of anyone who lives in Kitsap County give them this information let them know um, they need to hear our voices yeah. and they need to know what they're going to come up against when they try pushing this in Kitsap County because I if they go for it, I think it's going to get really ugly. Yeah. So there's a lot of people already. Prayer, yes, and stay yes. in prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, a couple of restaurant owners that uh, we know personally, we talked to them about this, what would happen. And one of the owners, he 
I yeah. don't see that happening. Yeah. You know, there's going to be the people like my other son and I, we were at a store, Highway Market for Orchard, before the mask, second mask mandate, and we walk in and I hear this woman go, sweetie, 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 referring to my son, and uh, she says, do you have a mask? And I said, well, I'm not sick, why do we need masks? Well, I can't sell this to you if you don't have a mask. So I just, okay. If my son was there, I would have drank it. So what we're seeing, guys, is just, it's, it's an intensifying of this kind of garbage. And all we can do is, like Val said, pray. Pray, absolutely pray. And do our part. Take truth and bring it to power by taking the knowledge you have and putting it out there to everyone you know. The more people that are informed and have the truth can bring that truth to power by putting it on social media, sharing it, but, but be careful how you share things that you're not just coming off the cuff of your own imagination with things. Get the facts. Know the facts and put it out there. So anyway, we just wanted everyone to know that this is coming up and to, you know, if you can, get it out there and send emails. And uh, yeah.